The Coonhound Collective Podcast is brought to you by CZ Welding and Custom Dog Boxes. Dog boxes built by hunters for hunters. Check these guys out today. This is your host, Jason Snurgrove, and I will be your guide as we journey down the road to pleasure hunt or hitting the long trail to those great cop hunts. This is the Coonhound Collective Podcast. All right, today on the Coonhound Collective, we're going to talk for just a few minutes about a upcoming benefit hunt that's going to be put on in Sullivan, Missouri. I have Colton and Larry with me to, to talk about it. These guys are organizing it and putting it together. It's the Shriners Children Hospital Benefit Hunt. And they're also having a stud dog auction and auctioning off a, a few more products there. And we're going to let uh, Colton and Larry talk to you about it. Colton, Larry, how's it going? Pretty good. It's going pretty good. All right, guys. So, um... Talk to us about this hunt uh, is being put on by the State of Missouri Coon Hunters Association. Tell, tell us a, a, a little bit by, uh, about the hunt, kind of in the, the details of, of putting this thing on and and trying to trying to get it to grow, and then go ahead and tell us uh, the dates and and the location of it. Okay. Uh, so the St. Louis County Coon Hunters Association and the State of Missouri Coon Hunters Association has teamed up together to put this hunt on and make it as big as possible. We, we started out with a stud dog auction, which people has donated a bunch of studs up for us to auction so people can breed to their dogs. Uh, we got a dog box on there now. We got a puppy off four times Floyd. And then uh, Josh Bartholomew donated two pups also to be auctioned off. Um, we're, and the auction's going to end on September 2nd. And you can find the auction on Facebook at Shriners Children Hospital Benefit Stud Dog Auction and more. The hunt is actually held on September 24th, and during the day, there's going to be an auction that starts at 1 o'clock, and then following that, there's going to be a bench show at 5 o'clock, and then the night hunt's going to start at 8 o'clock, and it's going to be an hour-and-a-half hunt. The overall winner of the bench show is going to receive a dog box by CZ Custom Dog Boxes, and the overall hunt winner is going to receive the same exact dog box. And the final four is also going to receive a coon light and a, a coon squaller from Bub Blackwell with eye opener coon squallers and bushwhacker coon squallers by Justin Davenport. And they're also going to receive some dog food from Joy. Okay. Yeah. I, um, as you know, if you're listening to this podcast, Nathan uh, Kaufman and CZ Welding Custom Dog Boxes is our sponsor. And if you haven't already, head over to the YouTube channel, look at that video. This is this is not just a, a junk doll box. This is a very well-built, very good doll box that, that these guys are going to be giving away. And you have an opportunity to jump in on the auction and get a get a nice uh, nice doll box too if you want to they have one up for for auction as well so kind of how how did this come about is this a hunt that's been put on before and is this just a push to try to make it bigger than what it was to be able to donate more money or is this something brand new so this hunt has been put on for right around 30 years i'm gonna say i'm not exact i don't quote me on my numbers there but uh it's it's been at least I know since I, I'm 25 years old and it's been on, been put on ever since I was a kid. So, uh, they usually, the Shriner, we usually donate around 10 to $15,000 each year to the Shriners, uh, hospital. Uh, the last few years, this thing has kind of fizzled out. And like last year there was zero dogs showed up at the hunt. 
so me and Colton took it upon ourselves to uh, team up and, and try to make this thing big again because it is for a great cause. Uh, like I said, we usually have a couple kids from the Shriners Benefit Hospital come there and, you know, have speeches and stuff. And uh, if you talk to those kids and how the Shriners Benefit Ho- Hospital touches their lives it's it's truly amazing so we're just trying to regrow it and make it bigger than ever really yeah well i think your guys are, are doing a good thing is definitely gaining some traction on facebook and me and colton and talked and I, i'm gonna build like i said build y'all an ad for this and and we're gonna run it till the hunt to, to try to get as much publicity out there and keep it fresh on people's mind up until then and, and it's definitely for for a good cause and and, and the money's going to a to a for sure uh, good place. Uh, um, is there anything else we need to add in there? If somebody wants to get in, uh, donate something, you know, for, for being auctioned off or, or a stud dog or whatever, what's the best route for them to get a hold of somebody uh, to, to get added to the auction? Uh, they can they can uh, either text me, Colton, or Larry on Facebook, and uh, we'll, we'll get them put in there. And any donation we get, we greatly appreciate and we appreciate Joy for stepping up and sponsoring the hunt and CZ Custom Dog Boxes, uh, Sandra at K-Light, James Atwell, and there's many more. I don't want to leave any of them out, but uh, just everybody who's donated, I mean, we appreciate it so much, you know. It's just, I can't believe the support we've already gotten, and we started it last Friday. Yeah, it's, just since you, just since you called me, and I don't remember... I don't remember what day you called me, maybe Saturday and and talked about it. I've been kind of watching it and it's really, really picking up traction and it really could be a a very big hunt. You're in a good location there. Um, And I really do think this could be a big hunt because it's going to be there uh, right off of Interstate 44. So it'd be be easy to get to and and we can make this big and coon hunters usually come together for for good causes. Uh, There's a lot of good hearted coon hunters out there that really put their best foot forward to try to help out any way they can. So th- this would be a good place to get involved, whether it be through the auction or showing up at the hunt and hunting a dog. And this hunt's going to be a UKC sanctioned hunt. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Just, just wanted to, just wanted to make sure is the bench show a UKC sanctioned bench show as well. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds good. Okay. Um, is there anything that else we need to add in there? Um, to to get more information out there or um or anything anything else you guys can think of one thing that i do want to add is that any donation helps it doesn't have to be coon hunting supplies or anything like that during that live auction we have at 1 p.m at the coon hunt there's literally anything you can think of there's quilts there's cakes there's anything you can think of in that auction so any don't don't think any donation silly i mean we will put anything in there so yeah. Any donator appreciate as well. Yeah. Any, anything that would help help raise money to go go to the Shriners. You're you're exactly right. Anything anything would help. So if you're um if you're interested in, in getting involved some kind of way with with uh some type of donation or stud dog or puppy or equipment or a bass boat or whatever, you can reach out to Larry Bourbon, Colton Ingram on Facebook. They can put you in touch and. While I got you on here, and I'll get y'all my logo to put out there, this is this is going to be something new, something that I don't know that's been done, but I'm going to offer a full stud dog audio ad to run for a month that these guys can auction off and whatever whatever it gets, it can be it'll be run here on the Coonhound Collective podcast for a month uh, at no charge. 
uh, to, to these guys or to the people just, just through the auction. And, uh, hopefully we can get, get some extra dollars raised that way. It's never been done, but I've had the idea for, for a little while now. And, uh, I think this would be a, a good place to, to put it out there and see if we can get some dollars, dollars raised for it. So we'll build a commercial for your stud dog, whoever wins it and get some audio of your dog. We'll put it all together get it approved by whoever the winner of the auction is. And, uh, it will run for, for a month here on the Coonhound Collective podcast. So guys, if y'all don't have anything else, I think we can stop it here. I'll get your, your commercial built for you. And, uh, hopefully we can make this thing, uh, a, a large hunt here in Missouri. Yes, sir. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. If you're going to build something, you better build something and make it work and you better stand behind what you do. And like I tell everybody, you buy a dog box and something's wrong with it, we fix it and we stay behind our job and our work. And as long as you're the original owner, if something breaks on it other than the latches and the hinges, I don't make them. So I can't stand behind them, but I'll get you some more. And, uh, you know, if welds break or craftsmanship's crappy, we'll fix it back for you. Hey guys, this is Jason over at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Is your dog box starting to get war? Maybe it's starting to get a little crack like mine is. Maybe you've just been thinking about it's time to upgrade to a, to a new box, but you've asked your buddies and you're just not real sure what direction to go in. Well, let me help you out here. Go check my friends out at CZ Welding and Fabrication Custom Dog Boxes and Aluminum Products on Facebook. You can check out all their custom work they do there and their designs that they do. If you don't see something that you don't exactly like there, reach out to Nathan at 540 540- 810-5439 540-810-5439 or send him a message through the Facebook page I bet he can fix you up don't wait till fall to get that new dog box go ahead get that dog box now get you uh, get you something looking good in the back of your truck that, that you can be proud of and that you can haul your dog around in comfort check my friends out at CZ Welding Fabrication you won't go wrong dog boxes built by hunters for hunters Get yours today, CZ Welding and Fabrication. If I build something and you don't like it, bring it back to me and I'll build you a new one or give you your money back. It don't bother me one way or the other. But Welcome to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. Today we are in Flora, Illinois at English Days and I am joined by my buddy Nathan Kaufman with CZ Custom Doll Boxes. How's it going, Nathan? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, man, pretty good. Uh at least it ain't a burning up hot day. No, last year when we was uh, out here, it was about 90 degrees, 100 degrees every day, and you was sweating yourself to death. And this year it's been fairly cool, about 80 degrees, 16 tonight. Yeah, well, it's it, it was a nice ride over here for me, but I didn't have to drive quite as far as you did, so uh, I, I wasn't quite as stiff when I got here. No, 11-hour drive's a little rough on a man, especially with the gas prices. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. That didn't help matters, and... You know that may affect some numbers that uh, show up here here this weekend for sure. But uh, well, but before we get jumping in here too quick, Nathan has uh, stepped up and sponsored a podcast, and I want to publicly thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. And uh, I met with uh, Nathan here today and picked up my doll box. And you can go over to the uh, YouTube channel. I'm going to do a video on it and show you how they're built. Um, I don't know that you'll find a better built dog box. Uh, I, I looked at it uh, when we first got here, and it is, uh, it's built, and it's built right um, to, to last. And whenever I made the uh, commercial for 
CZ custom doll boxes there, and I was talking about my doll box being cracked up. It's I wasn't joking. It's it's for real cracked up, and I don't think you're gonna have to worry about it with this one. No, uh, hopefully it'll hold together for you. As long as you don't roll the truck, it should stay in one piece. I think. Yeah, I, I would say so. You can probably park a bulldozer on it. So, uh, anyway, without further ado, Nathan, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and kind of how you got into coon hunting. Well, uh, I'm Nathan Kaufman. I'm 37 years old from the great state of Virginia. I live in Grottoes, Virginia. As I tell people that don't know where it's at, they was making a map and the ink dot fell, and they couldn't get it off. They had to name it something, so they called it Grottoes. And uh, I've lived there my whole life. Uh, I'm married, got three kids. Uh, I'm just glad I married the woman I did because she puts up with a lot. And, uh, you know, hunting all the time, building dog boxes till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Never home, traveling. Like I tell people, behind every good business owner is a woman with a good job. Because, you know, that's when a man told me that, you know, if you own your own business, you ain't going to make a lot of money when you start. But, you know, we just have fun doing it. And, you know, I'm not the only one in the business. My buddy, Justin Zulik, uh, we partnered up at the beginning and we started it and he don't get to help quite as much as he used to because he's a paid firefighter and he's working a lot and getting overtime and stuff like that so right now it's pretty much a one-man show but you know he helps out when he can so makes it easy when you get somebody that likes to TIG weld and I don't like a TIG weld so if you got something he's TIG weld I make him do it. Yeah that's that's for sure so um how, how did you get into coon hunting or was it coon hunting that you got into to start with was it something else with him? Well I started off uh, when I was a little boy, the man and woman that babysitted me, uh, her husband was a rabbit hunter. Well, I, my wife tells everybody I was a preschool dropout. After three days of preschool, I told them I didn't want to be here no more. So they called uh, her husband and we started rabbit hunting. And that's how I kind of got into it. And then when we was in high school, uh, a buddy of mine, he had some, he got a coon dog. So I was like, I'm gonna get me a coon dog. Well. There was a bear hunter there in town, and he had a uh, a blue tick and a plot that crossed. And uh, Alvin, the old man that started bear hunting or rabbit hunting with me, he uh, took me down there, and I got him a puppy. And, you know, I did everything every little kid does, making drags. And, you know, I called my mom up in the yard, Mom, look at the dog, you know. She was like, okay. But, you know, that's how I started. And that dog, you know, like every first dog, it never turned out to be anything, but it was fun. And uh, then, you know, I... Dealt with some dog traders like everybody does, and you run into some good ones and some bad ones. And I, uh, I bought a English dog from a buddy of mine, and I mean he was a nice dog, but he was a sorry tree dog, what he was. But I mean he treated coons, but he just wasn't great. And then uh, I went and bought a dog off a man uh, there close to me that was a uh, was a Walker dog. He was two years old, and that was my first real competition dog. I made him a night champion pretty happy with that and I had him till he was 14 years old and I'd probably have to say of all the dogs I've owned that was probably the nicest dog I've ever owned type of dog if he was treated a mile and you didn't want to walk a mile you holler for him and blew a whistle or toned him or something and he'd you know come to you and uh you know uh, then I had a uh see after that I bought a bought a plot dog when I started the job I was working and uh he's a good dog too but you know he wasn't he wasn't no competition dog by any means but he was a nice dog tree a lot of coons with him and uh it was right after christmas one year i was hunting him and i i wanted a video camera so i could you know record my you know 
before the YouTube stuff got, I wanted to record my dogs. And uh, my mom and dad got me a uh, little, nice little video camera and stuff. And uh, well, I took him hunting and made a video with him. Well, two days later, I noticed he wasn't eating. And uh, come to find out he was packed full of cancer from his lungs to his whole intestines and everything. And uh, as my vet told me, he said, the dog must really love you to hunt that hard and tree one coon for you, you know, shape he was in. And uh, I had to put him down. And then uh, I got to mess around, you know, bear. I got into bear hunting then. And, you know, you get into bear hunting, you know, you can't coon hunt and bear hunt. So I kind of backed off coon hunting, you know, living in Virginia, we can bear run bear dogs. And uh, got to running bear dogs for a couple years pretty hard. And, you know, that got expensive. You know, then vet bills ain't cheap and, you know, you get one bear, choose one up and you go in the vet and, you know, they tell you, oh, 1500 bucks, $2,000 to put one back together. And, you know, I realized that was a little bit more expensive than what I wanted to do. So uh, I got hooked in with a uh, friend of mine, uh, lives down in Blackstone, Virginia, Scott Morton. And uh, he had a dog down there named uh, Nottaway River uh, Wipeout Ray. And I brought him up to the house there when he was about 18 years old and put him in the mountains and hunted him. And, you know, like a typical wipeout dog, they was, he wanted to trail. And in the mountains, that would make you, you know, pull your hair out some nights. And he'd sit there and trail and trail and trail. And he'd finally get treed. And uh, we got to hunting him, pushing him pretty hard. And we took him uh, super stakes in two years. And we took him to the PKC world. And he did, he did fairly well at all of them. You know, he won cast and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, after that, I, you know, you get married and you have kids and, you know, how all that goes, you, you know, you don't have time to do it all again. So the coon dogs got laid off and, you know, got to, you know, doing things with the wife and the kids and stuff. And, uh, you know, Ray got old and when Ray died, I told myself, I ain't never going to another walker dog. So. I turned around and got back into my English dogs. And, you know, the line of English dogs I hunt, they know nobody know about them. You know, same English dogs we coon hunt me, we bear hunt too. They're ink dogs, uh, you know, not very well known, but, you know, they're nice dogs. And like every breed, you know, line of dogs or whatever, you know, ain't none of them perfect. You know, they, they miss, they have coons, and don't all of them make it. But good thing about that is when you live in a community where you can bear hunt, if you get a coon dog and it don't make a coon dog, you can give it to a bear hunter, and it'll make a bear dog. You know, at least a good enough bear dog be a pack dog. And, you know, and right now the uh, dog that I'm hunting uh, and the hunt's here now, uh, he was born in my basement. I uh, was going to breed my female to my buddy Jonathan Scales as he had a uh, little English dog lady, uh, named uh, Loctite Ranger. And I was going to breed to him, but they was at Autumn Oaks. And I was talking with him and a buddy of mine, Tommy Corbick, and I said, well, you know, so I wonder why I should bring Jazz to this time. She's in heat. I wanted to breed her to Ranger, but they're out there. And Tommy told me, he said, well, breed her to Amos. And I said, well, no, Amos, you know, he's a nice dog, but, you know, probably sorry his tree dog I've ever seen a day in my life. Uh, big ball mouth dog. And, you know, when he trees, he might be on a tree. When you get there, then he'll, you see him on a garment, he'll be out there 15 feet from the tree treeing. I said, I don't think that'd be a good cross, but I went ahead and did it anyway, so I figured that's free. It's there at the house. And I got six puppies out of it, and I got the ranger dog I'm hunting now. I had him till he was about four or five months old, and I said, you know, I said, I ain't got time to mess with that puppy. So a man I know on Facebook there, 
He said, you know, so I'd like to get a coon dog. I said, I ain't never had a coon dog, but I'd like to have one. I said, well, I said, you know, you come down here and you buy this puppy, and, you know, if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. And he took him up there to New Jersey, and, you know, me thinking, I said, New Jersey? There ain't no coons in New Jersey. Ain't nobody to hunt up there. And uh, he took him up there, and I started getting these videos of his little puppy, and, you know, he's running, treeing coons, six months old, eight months old. And, and I told him, I said, you know, I said, I'm going to come home with this dog. So I went up there and we hunted with him and I was impressed by him and uh, Joe started putting him in some PKC hunts, one, two PKC hunts with him and he called me, he said, you know, he said, if you want to take Ranger and hunt him this summer, you know, take him English days and hunt him, you know, you can, uh, you can come get him and hunt him. I said, well, I'll come get him first in May, that'll give me a month to get him used to me. And as Joe told me, he was sending him to boot camp, you know, going to go down and see grandpa go to boot camp. And, uh, I brought him down here and got him in Virginia there and got him going and we come out here and hunted the first two nights of here pleasure hunted on Monday and Tuesday last year in English days and you know he didn't he didn't look worth buying and uh man I was out here hunting with he said you know he said I'd have to pay you to take that dog home if I was trying to buy it and I said man I said well thanks for the encouragement you know well he didn't look very good on Wednesday he didn't look good on Thursday here last year uh Friday night he won his cast and uh, Saturday night we was out here and uh, last year and he ended up uh, winning his cast. I showed up about two minutes late with a scorecard and they wouldn't take my scorecard. And if I did the math in my head right, uh, he'd have had a 775 plus for the week weekend out here. And I, I don't know where he would have ended up at, but he ended up a lot better than what he did. But you know, I got him out here again this year and he's fighting Lyme disease and, you know, he ain't looking the best but we're still here you know you don't know till you try yeah that's for that's for sure and i, I know that limes and that and thyroid issues and stuff like that can be rough on one and especially if it's hot so uh, i guess the good thing is it's a little cooler this year um you know and it's not too hot it's a little little muggy but it ain't uh it ain't too terribly hot that's for sure no that's no, nice. so um do you remember was your first cast in UKC or PKC when you first started uh, uh, competition hunting? Uh, the first cast was a UKC hunt, and as all first ones go, it's a it's an educational experience. You go there thinking, you know, man, my dog runs the trees a coon. It's gonna look good. I'm gonna win this thing. You get in there and it's like, well, well, how how come I didn't get these points? How come I didn't get that point? But you know, you learn. And I probably went through, oh, I don't couldn't tell you how many casts I got before I got my first cast win. You know, it's kind of one of them things where you, you're traveling around, going to them hunts, and you ain't winning, and you're like, well, this ain't worth it no more. And then you think, well, I'll go to one more. Keep going to one more, and eventually, you know, you, you just mess up, and you win one. Then the next thing you know, you start clicking them off and winning with dogs, and it just makes it fun. Yeah, well, that that's for sure. I mean, uh, I've won a few, but, um, you know, for the – for the most part, I've not won a whole lot of big stuff. I, I I did place an AKC World Qualifier when I was 16 with a black dog I had, and you know, it just I, I was like you. I was going instead of reading the rule book, I was going to pay pay to get the the rules read to me. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I was getting them, you know, whatever it was, twenty dollars at a time back then, or fifteen dollars at a time. I don't remember now what it was, but uh, I was getting it one lesson at a time on a Friday or Saturday night. Oh yeah, it's somebody asked you, well, you don't been show your dogs. I said, I tried it twice, and that ain't for me. I said, you know, I said, if my dog stands on the wood, it stands on plow or pine, oak, poplar, or telephone pole, and they got their feet wrapped around, that's the only wood they need to learn to stand on. 
I said, I'm not a bench shower, and my dogs, by the time I get them old enough to go to a hunt, you know, coons tore them up and stuff, and ain't the prettiest looking thing you ever seen walk in there, and, you know, it's just bench show. I mean, some of them guys, they like it and go on with it, but that just ain't for me, I mean. But, I mean, I reckon if you got an ugly dog and you look like me, you kind of makes your dog look a lot better at the end of the day. Well, I, I we uh, we just walked up from the show barn uh, here, and uh, they they really did have some nice dogs down there. And that that's the great thing about, you know, our sport. You know, I'm sitting down there and talking to some guys that I've never met them before until today. And, you know, everybody just treats you like you know know everybody. And it don't matter if you're show, showing dogs, if you're showing and hunting, or if you're just showing or just hunting. Everybody, you know, just having a good time talking and, you know, encouraging everyone. There was a, a young lady down there that showed against some adults, and she's, I don't know how old she was, but she she was a young lady, and she done really, really well. And, man, everybody in that show barn come alive uh, whenever she won her class down there. So, um you know, and that's that's one of the great things about our sport. If you don't if you don't want to hunt, you can show. If you don't want to show, you can hunt. Or if you want to do both, you can. Oh yeah, and you know, you meet some of the best people you're ever gonna meet here. You know, you might make them mad in a hunt, but you see them the next day to talk to you. Hey, it was a good hunt we had. You know, sorry I did this or I did that. I'm like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, you just try and do what you do. But uh, you know, you, most for the most part, you get in them casts and you have a good time. Like the cast we had last night, it was me and. Another boy drove in here from Virginia. We both made that 11-hour drive in here. And uh, and then had to hunt together. They had to hunt together. I said, you know, I said, we live within an hour and a half, two hours of each other, and here we are in a cast. And, you know, I said, well, I said, you know, hopefully one of the Virginia boys win, and he won his cast with 175 last night. And another buddy of mine, uh, Kevin Moore, both his dogs won an invitational last night, and he got in the final four, and, you know, I'm happy for him, you know. Like I said, if I can't win, if somebody knows wins, I'm happy. And if I don't even know you, I'm happy for you. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's sometimes, you know, you get on Facebook or maybe people that don't hunt get on Facebook and they see, you know, I've been cheated here, I've been cheated there. There's a bunch of crooks in competition hunting. And that's, I mean, I, I've been kind of in and out and around competition hunting for close to 30 years. And, I mean, I, I can... Honestly, I, I, there was one cast I thought I was cheated on, but I was like 17 years old when it happened, and now that I look back, I probably didn't know the rules. Oh. And, and that's probably, instead of being cheated, that's probably what happened is I didn't know the rules good enough, and that's, uh, you know, that's a stigma that's been, been put out there and uh, flown it on the Internet that, you know, it's just a bunch of crooks at competition hunt, and this, this registry is this, and this registry is that, and... They all have their have their issues and their holes, and you know I don't I don't agree with anything that all of them says all the time, but uh, I agree with what most of them say. And the most important thing is if you know the rules, you go out there, you you be a sportsman and learn to be a good loser. Um, you know you uh, you can come out ahead eventually, and you can make some friends along the way, and that's what it's about. Oh yeah, I mean you know like I tell people, people say, well I don't like hunting PKC, I don't know the rules. I said, they're all pretty much the same. You strike him and you train. And if you get there, you got a coon, you circle it, or, you know, you get a circle or a minus. It's all pretty simple. Just, you know, little points change, little time changes, and, you know, different little rules like leash locks and things like that. But I said, all at the end of the day, they're all basically the same thing. You just, sometimes you got to learn as you go, but they got a rule book for a reason. Yeah, that, that's it. You need to get the rule book, you know, and, and get it out and learn it. Um, 
I know we were talking before I hit record. I interviewed Braxton Wheels, and we're going to have to redo it because for whatever reason, my recorder didn't record, even though it was showing that it did. Um, you know, he's a, he's a young kid, but he's he's stuck it out. He's um, he's learned the rules. He studied the rules. He's put himself in cast situations with grown men. He's beat me twice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've drawn him twice in two different states, and he's beat me both times. He's, he's a very good competitor. He's got a very good hound. Um, but that's what it's about. You got to get out there and, and, and know the rules. And if there's a young person in that cast, you really need to hold yourself to another standard. I'm not saying, you know, hold back and let that young person, you know, win, but hold yourself to a sportsman's standard. So when they see you out there operating, they're like, you know what? We were out there being competitive and I lost, but you know what? Them were, them were some good guys I was hunting with. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like Thursday night out here or Wednesday night out here at the RQE. I was sitting there and I was 325 negative. I was like, man, this is pitiful. But I said, I ain't going out. And I said, you know, it's like a bar. You throw me out the front door or the back door. You ain't. You got to throw me out before I leave. And I was sitting there and, you know, my dog was there and he, I took second strike and I could hear him come on a tree. And I said, well, you know, I said, there's another dog down in there. I said, maybe it'll get treed with it. I said, that man's sitting at zero, you know, maybe he'll get a little bit of that tree. And I was sitting there and the judge was kind of looking at me and looking at me. I said, you know, you got to put station there, Mommy, I reckon. He said, well, I said, I don't think he sounds right. About that time, that other man's dog come on the tree, I let him tree first. And I took second tree, and he said, man, the guy come up and said, man, your dog look good, but that handling was pretty crappy. I said, you know, I said, I'm not the smartest man with the math or pencil on the paper, but I said, there's no way I can win this thing. I said, I'm just out here because I'm guiding you, and I want to make sure y'all have a good time and know where you at, don't get y'all in no trouble. And I said, you know, I said, you can win the cast. You know, you might get not get the score you want, but, you know, you're going to get a plus score. I said, you know, I mean, to me, you don't see many people that's willing to say, well, I'll let that man win. But if you can't mathematically win, you know, don't sit there and take somebody's points that they can get. Yeah, that, you know, and that's part of being a, a sportsman, you know, out, out on the cast. And, um, you know, when you know you're beat, you just beat. I mean, that, that's what it is. And, you know – I get frustrated if, if I beat myself, you know, in my, in my own handling. But um, it really frustrates me when, you know, you got a dog that can operate better than what they're doing and, you know, and they're out there, you know, not operating just right. It really makes you think, you know, what's what's going on with that dog? Is it, you know, kind of like yours dealing with a Lyme disease or, um, you know, or lichia or thyroid issues or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, my buddy, he's got a red tick English male and he, he don't competition hunt at all. He's been on some previous con, uh, podcast and he does my music for the you know that I do in the background of all my stuff and man he's a jam up coon dog but he just all of a sudden started slick tree and he uh he was going to get on him pretty hard and went to have him tested for thyroid it was so low when he show up mm-hmm. uh, I mean he was he was just that bad sick and thankfully uh he he uh called me yesterday or texted me yesterday and said he about got him straightened out and so hopefully you'll be able to get back to hunting. But, you know, when you have those issues, you know, with those dogs, you know, don't – I just caution people, don't jump the gun before you before you check your dog. And, you know, as, as a handler, you know, you need to do your best to, to call your dog the way he does. And if you ain't got no, no place to win, if you're in the hole and there ain't no way out, then, you know, you, you need to let the guy that's got the chance to get some points on there to uh, – to call his dog the way he needs to call him and you know don't don't try to cut him you know here or there no i mean if you can't win there's really no 
used to try to, some people say, well, yeah, you should have just withdrew. I could have, but, you know, it was 15 minutes left in the whole hunt. You know, I want to walk along. You know, I'm all, I like watching dogs work. I mean, that's why, you know, I, some people say, well, I don't know how y'all, you like a dog like you like them. I said, well, I don't want them silent, but I want them to give me enough mouth to know where they're at. But, you know, I mean, going back to the point there, you know, sportsmanship is the key to it. You know, if you go out and you have good casts, you know, you have good ones and bad ones. But, you know, sportsmanship is what, you know, you got to, like you said, you got to learn to win, you got to learn to lose, because you're going to lose a lot more than you win in life, no matter what you're doing. So, you know, that's just what you got to do. You got to learn to win and lose. And that's what I tell my kids, uh, you know, we do show animals, you know, market hogs, market lambs, things like that. And, you know, they, they get mad when they don't win. I said, you know, you can't win them all. I said, at the end of the night, you know, when you're showing animals, it's one man's opinion. You know, here's just one dog might be better at night. And, you know, you might draw that dog next night and might be reversed opposite. Your dog might look like a million bucks. And theirs looks like, you know, ain't worth uh, paying a dollar for. Well, be, being you uh, being you brought up show hogs, you, you can appreciate this story that I'm, I'm fixing to tell. <laughs> Me and my brother showed hogs all the way through high school. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends now know me i i'm a trader i'll i'll trade for this or that and my my brother-in-law my brother-in-law says i wouldn't give him nothing because he'll turn around and trade it and make a hundred dollars off of it or whatever and, and that's just i don't know that's just where i am you know i'll i'll do some swapping or whatever oh yeah so um i got this walker dog from a dog trader and i had him we had raised dog pens that had plywood floors in them and we had our show hogs about ready for show. And I went and picked this dog up, and we had to go to school uh, that next week. I had him during the weekend, treat a couple of coons with him. And, of course, I'm in South Alabama, and there's hogs aplenty down there. And um, so I went out that morning, worked the hogs, went to school, come back. And when I got back in the afternoon, I always fed the dogs when I got home from school. And so I went through and started feeding dogs, and I got to his pen. It was empty. He chewed a hole through the plywood floor. And killed every show hog we had. Oh wow! Yeah, needless to say, my my stepdad is the one that helped helped me and my stepbrother with these hogs. He was not very happy with no. me for going to a dog trader and getting this dog because obviously he was he liked hogs better than he he liked coons and oh, he yeah. he had to find him a new address to go to for sure. Oh yeah, I mean that's what you know. I tell people, I say, well, I can't believe you go you spend money on them animals like hog show animals. I said, well, it ain't for me. I said it's for the kids. But I said, I'm type person. If I'm going to do a show animal, show hog, we're going to go try to win. You know, I don't like to lose. I might tell my kids, hey, it's okay, you know, just take it on the chin. But at the end of the day, I'm a competitive person. And, you know, if somebody tells me, like, you know, in a hunt or something like that, you know, your dog don't look very good. Well, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to fine-tune that thing. And I'm going to hunt you down in a hunt. And I'm going to prove to you that, you know, he's a lot better than what he was. He's had a bad night. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? That's that's what it's about. Um, you know, is finding out what, what your what your holes are, whether it's in you or the dog or whatever and, and working on those things, you know, pleasure hunting or in some smaller comp hunts or whatever, you know, is we, we, we always have to be preparing. I know a lot of times if I'm if I'm trying to get ready to go to a hunt, um, which has become such a habit now to to uh, run a stopwatch that you know, I'm always running a stopwatch on my dogs just, you know, so I kind of know, you know, what they're operating at and what time limits they're operating at and, you know, getting ready. And, you know, that's that's what it's about for, for people out there that are maybe just, you know, 
deciding whether to get into competition or not. I mean, you, you kind of got to prepare. You got to yeah. prepare your, you and your dog that way, to what kind of the way that hunt format set up. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's like if, say, if you're going to take a dog and you want to start PKC hunting. You know, I've always been, you know, you know, any dog can tree a coon, you know, right after dark when coons are moving. But your your money's one in the late round. So, you know, I'll take a dog and hunt it for iron hour and a half, two hours, put it in a dog box, take another dog out and hunt it, then bring both them dogs back out, you know, three o'clock in the morning, cut one loose. And if that dog can go in there and operate like it did earlier, you got something you can compete with. I mean, that's just a man, old man told me at one time, I said, oh, you're full of it. You know, I said, dog tree a coon no matter what. He said, them dogs, them coons that move at three o'clock, a little bit different than coons that move at dark. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure, and and you know it gives you an opportunity to see can can your dog tree one that's already up, or is he only tree in the hot ones? And I mean, you can kind of find out what's going on there because he he may not always find a hot one. It could be, you know, negative and snow blowing, and they may they may be in for the night. So, oh oh yeah, I mean I tell people most of the dogs that live at my house if they can't take a four to six hour old truck, they don't live there very long. Because you know, like I said, we use the same line of dogs that we coon hunt to bear hunt with, and you know, being a bear dog, you're going to have to take six, eight-hour-old tracks, and you're going to have to hold up to, you know, eight, ten-mile race. That, you know, and that's one good thing about the line of dogs we hunt. You know, they can take that stuff, and they hold their feet good, and that's the way I like them. I mean, sometimes it bites you in the butt, but, you know, in them late rounds or something like that, the dog hit an old track and go beat you banging around in there for an hour, you don't even get treat. Yeah, and, you know, talking about that, we, uh, in Missouri last year, we had our first bear season which we cannot run dogs but do you condition those dogs differently than you do your coon dogs or are you just condition them conditioning them all the same are you road running them any or, or what do you do to get those dogs ready prepared for that well you know uh where we live out there in virginia we're you know 45 minutes from west virginia and three hours uh from north carolina a buddy of mine jonathan lives down in uh southern virginia there he runs you know, Virginia and North Carolina bear season because he's five minutes from the line. But, uh, you know, most time, you know, I know Jonathan does it a lot. He got the treadmill. Put them dogs on a treadmill and let them run on a treadmill. Or he'll go to Carolina and, you know, try to run them, you know, as much as he can or things like that. But, you know, up our way, a lot of times we just take them, put them out on the road there and let them run the road or something and keep them in shape or put them on a treadmill. Or, you know, there you see some of them guys, they got them swimmers and, dog walkers and things you know you just do what you got to do but you know you got to have a dog that's got good feet to run in bear and that can hold up and has the stamina but when they get there after they done run eight eight miles you know something like that and they run in there and the bear don't want to climb up a tree they got to have enough grit to you know if he don't want to climb to make him hold stay there at least you can get in there or at least make him climb and you know it's just it's some people say you know you can take anything and make it a bear dog well anything to run a bear because they smell like an old greasy trash can running but, you know, it takes a little bit different breed of dog to hold up to the mountains and things like that to take him cold tracks and, you know, run them and get them jumped and get them started and keep up with them. Yeah, I just, I've never been around that. I've been around some hog dogs and, of course, coming from Alabama, I've been around, you know, deer dogs and, uh, and of course, coon dogs. And, you know, I just, I've never, never been around bear dogs. I, I know they got to have a little grit to them and, they definitely got to have some stamina to, to mm-hmm. stay up. With them. But uh, before we get too far off off topic here, um, 
let's uh let's talk about how cz custom dog boxes come up, come about because uh I, i'm gonna tell you my my first impression of, of laying my eyes on this dog box is uh it's built like a, it, it's built like a tank but it looks good too and uh i i, I really like it so let, let's talk about how how that was birthed and um kind of how you got started and kind of what it looks like today um well, it started with, uh, as I tell people, most good ideas start with uh, when two idiots meet and a bad idea happens. And uh, Justin, my partner in this, he was doing an aluminum welding job for a guy. His kids show animals, and he was building the, in the trailer to got the little pins in there to keep them separate. Well, he was building that, and he, I was over helping him, and he said, I got this tubing left over. He said, you know, because I was wanting to get a dog box built. He said, you want to build a dog box? I said, well, yeah, what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, don't work, don't look good, don't matter to me. So we went and built my, built my first dog box I'd ever had, custom built. We built it ourselves. And uh, we was building that thing, and I said, you know, so there ain't nobody around here builds dog boxes no more. I said, all the man that used to do the custom dog boxes, he quit. I said, you might be able to make some money. Well, he said, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, $35,000 later, uh, we got a dog box business started. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was, it was kind of, it's, it's been kind of rough the first couple of years of it. You know, you're trying to pay off your debt and try to get yourself a little money. And, you know, for a while there, we was working free, basically. We, we working, you know, I, I was working a full-time job, working 10, 12-hour days and go do that, come home, feed dogs, see my wife, see my kids, and run the shop, start building dog boxes, working on dog boxes. And, you know, it took a while, and it was a little slow at the beginning. And a buddy of mine, uh, he's a dog hauler, uh, Jason Turner. He said, man, he's patting on his Facebook page. I'm looking for somebody to build me a three-hole dog box. I said, well, I can do that. He said, you ever built a dog box? I said, got one. He said, how's it look? I said, still together. He said, all right, then. He said, build me a little three-hole dog box. He said, I want that thing. I don't want no, I don't want no, want it watertight. Don't want no water again. I said, gotcha. Well, we built that dog box and, you know, just a little old three-hole smooth dog box. And uh, we built it for him, and he called me and said, I got a problem with this dog box. I said, man, what's wrong with it? He said, well, you built it to keep the water out, but he said, I left the door cracked in it and it got some water in it. He said, now the water can't get out. I said, well, you told me you wanted it watertight. You know, I figured you wanted it. If water gets in, you got to figure out how to get it out. But, you know, he was happy with it, and we did a, another dog trailer for him. We remodeled the dog trailer and added some holes to it. And next thing you know, it just starts growing and growing and growing and you know, we've built some dog boxes. Uh, last year, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, James Atwell, owns Nighttime Hunting Supply. He contacted me, said, you know, he said, why don't you build me some dog boxes? Bring them out here at PKC Nationals. I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll do that. So we made a big order, got all the aluminum in, built them dog boxes. And I get out there, and he's like, man, he thinks they're nice dog boxes, but y'all gonna do something with these tops. You know, they're grabbed holding they're wobbling. I'm like, oh, you know. He's like, I can't sell these things. I'm like... I don't want to take them back. He said, well, tell me what your boys got in them, and I'll give you what you got in them. And he said, you know, he said, go home and prove this. He said, bring me some more super steaks. I said, all right. Well, we went home and got at it and worked on, you know, making the dog boxes a little bit better. And, you know, it just kind of took off from there. And, you know, we don't – we. I mean, I don't mind building the top storage dog box, which I would like to – you know, they're simple, easy to build, but – you know, as I tell people, when you call me about a dog box, they say, well, can you build this? Can you build that? And I'm like, hey, 
you know, you dream it, we build it, and your dream becomes my nightmare. And it might take me, you know, three days to make your nightmare come true, or it might take me a week. But, you know, I enjoy the, the dog boxes that are challenging. You know, somebody says they want this, and they want it a certain way. And, you know, they said they talked to somebody, and they couldn't build it and didn't want to do it that way. Or they called me, and they got a price, and, you know, I'm $2,000 cheaper. And uh, I had a boy from North Carolina call me, and he said, you built me a dog box like this? I said, yeah, I can build you one. He said, how long are you going to need my truck? I said, I ain't going to need the truck at all. He said, what do you mean? I said, if you can ride up here, we can get all the measurements we need. And you can uh, take two hours out of your day, drive four hours up here, and we can uh, we can get this thing built. He comes up and gets these measurements, and he pulls up, and uh, we slide his dog box on. I'm like, man, we got a problem. He said, what? I said, it ain't fitting right. He said, why? I said, this is one thing we didn't do. He said, well, you got to tear it all back apart. I said, no, we'll get it fixed up. And we pulled it. If I build something and you don't like it, bring it back to me and I'll build you a new one or give you your money back. It don't bother me one way or the other. But And he said, you know, he wanted three times this amount of money to get it built. He said, why are you doing so cheap? I said, well, the way I look at it is a hound hunter is a working man. And at the end of the day, you got to take care of a working man because, you know, they got bills to pay. They can't go out here and drop, you know, they're not millionaires. They can't go out here and drop, you know, four or $5,000 on a dog box just to haul, you know, sorry old dog around in. You know, old man always told me, uh, you know, you can have a $5,000 dog box, but you might only have $5 worth of dogs in the inside. So I said, you know, if y'all want, if somebody wants a shiny dog box, I'd be more happy to build them a shiny dog box. But now I can't guarantee you that the dogs they put in them is going to be the best, but hey, at least they look good going down the road. It's all that matters. Yeah, that, that's for sure, and, and that's the reason why I, I was being serious when I made the commercial dog boxes built by hunters for hunters, and because I, I knew you hunted, I knew you used your dog box that you used, and uh, some of the people you told me that used the dog boxes you used, and uh, man, you, I, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be disappointed to tell anybody that they needed to get a dog box because it is it is definitely quality made, and it's made made right the way it should be made. You know, with uh, with the tubing and mm-hmm. and the aluminum covers and stuff, it's just not some aluminum welded together. No, we uh, you know, all of our dog boxes, you know, we build tube top to bottom. Even our you know, slide in top storage boxes, they're tube from the bottom even around the top where the top storage folds down. You know, they're tube frame and you know, I mean, I figure you know, when the first dog box we built, me and a buddy of mine was coon hunting one night and. We was going up through the mountains, and I was sitting on the back of my truck on the tailgate, riding up through where well, I stand up and crawl on top of the dog box. He said, what are you doing? I said, just keep going about 25 mile an hour. I want to see something. He said, why? I said, I'm going to see how good this thing's put together. Well, I just grabbed a dog box, throw it off the back, watch it go flopping down the road. He said, man, you kicked your dog box off. I said, let's go down here and pick it up and see if it's still in one piece. And we go down here and pick it up. Doors, everything's still working. Got a couple little dents in it. But I said, hey, it's still in one piece, ain't it? He said, yeah. I said, well. Now I can tell somebody, I said, my dog boxes, you know, if they fall off, they should stay together. But, you know, I mean, I'm rough on the dog box. I mean, I want to, I got one built for myself. Like I tell people, I said, I'm the only man that builds dog boxes, got the sorriest looking dog box he's ever built, but it's on the back of my truck because, you know, I'm rough on them. I mean, I don't pick them up and set them on nothing. When I take them off my truck, I grab it by the door handles and grab that thing and pull it straight up and let it drop off the back of the truck right on the ground. And I said, you know, 
if you're going to build something, you better build something and make it work, and you better stand behind what you do. And like I tell everybody, you buy a dog box and something's wrong with it, we fix it, and we stand behind our job and our work, and as long as you're the original owner, if something breaks on it other than the latches and the hinges, I don't make them, so I can't stand behind them, but I'll get you some more. And, uh, you know, if welds break or craftsmanship's crappy, we'll fix it back for you. Yeah, you can't ask for anything better than that, and uh, I think you're the only person I ever heard that their dog box is county road approved and mm -hmm. tested. So yeah, uh, I, I think that's a, a testament to it itself. And I, I'm telling you, it's it's a very well built dog box. And like I like I said at the beginning, like I told you, I'm going to put together a, a YouTube video and we're going to show the inside of it and and the outside of it, so people can actually see uh, what what you're doing over there and and uh, you know reach out to you and get them a dog box built because uh they they won't be disappointed that's for sure no i don't think it will i mean i've had some people call me and leave me nasty messages but that's just because they bought a hound box and stuck a beagle in it and they he'd get stuck in it and you know i mean i offered to fix them and some some of them they get fixed and some of them they don't worry about it but you know i mean if i build something and you don't like it bring it back to me and i'll build you a new one or give you your money back it don't bother me one way or the other but you know, I mean, my granny always told me, uh, if you're going to do something, don't don't halfway do it. If you're going to dig a hole with a, a spoon, you dig that hole with a spoon, you make it look good. You know, if you dig it with a post hole drill, you make sure it's clean. You might have to take that spoon get the dirt out the bottom up, but, you know, make it look good. You know, don't don't just, you know, half do anything in your life, you know, because if you start doing that and you, you know, set your standards low, bad things happen and, you know, my goal is to uh, eventually one day have a shop big enough where I got a couple people working for me and we're, you know, building some nice dog boxes that, you know, maybe we can afford one day to haul a trailer across the country and drop a load of dog boxes off. But for right now, we barely afford to get the truck out here to Illinois to drop one dog box off for somebody. Yeah, and that, that's one thing I was going to say. You know, you, you you didn't pull up here in no big shiny truck with a big trailer with a bunch of dog boxes on there trying to sell, sell them to people. Um, you, you're on your, your pickup and, you know, with my dog box on the back of it and, uh, you're here to compete, you're here to hunt and, you know, you're not just a, a vendor sitting up to sale. I mean, I know you would like to be there one day, but, oh, yeah. but you're here, you're here to hunt. You're, you're a hunter and that's, uh, that's important when it comes to selling a product to other hunters cause you know what they need. Yeah. And that's what, uh, a friend of mine, Tommy Corbett told me one time, he said, you know, you're going to have to quit delivering them dog boxes and guys. I said, what? He said, you don't want a man that does it. I said, exactly. I said, uh, you know, I said, if you know, you live eight hours away from me, you want a dog box. If I can find another dog box down that area, I'll put them both on back the pickup truck. I'll meet you halfway. Or if there's some good hunting down that way, you know, bite me down and go hunting. I'll bring a dog and a dog box and we'll come hunting. I mean, this year when I went to the Winter Classic down there, I built a dog box for Todd Sailors, lives in Georgia. And uh, he said, well, how am I going to get my dog box to me? I said, well, I'll bring it to you. He said, all right. Well, I built his dog box and dropped it off at his front door and put it in his uh, Jeep area he hunts out of. And, you know, like people said, they said, well, I can't believe you took a dog box down that far. I said, going that way, might as well take it with me. I mean, it wasn't exactly going that way. I mean, I was about six, seven hours out of the way, but, hey, you know, south, you know. I had to go across Alabama to get to Batesville, so it's not that bad of a drive.
Yeah. Well, so the goal for the dog box business is to eventually build it up where you got some people working for you, where you can get out to these hunts, maybe bring some dog boxes around in the future. But um, until then, you can go over to the Facebook page, CZ Custom Dog Boxes. Tell, tell what the Facebook page is again. It's uh, CZ Custom Dog Boxes and Fabrication. Uh, we got a Facebook page and, you know, we got some pictures on there. Some, not all the dog boxes we've ever built, but, you know, it's kind of hard to build dog boxes and take a picture and post it on there. And as my wife said, well, you can take five minutes to send me a Snapchat. Can't, you can't take five minutes to put it on Facebook? No, because usually when I send you a Snapchat, I'm making sure that you know where I'm at, know what I'm doing. But, you know, you can go to our Facebook page there and look us up. And, you know, we got a phone number on there. If you want to message us, you can or give me a call. I always like hearing people when they call me talking to them because i'm a talker i like to talk you know before it's all said and done i know about your dogs what kind of dogs you hunt and where you live at we you know talked to a man the other day from maine for three and a half hours about the line of bear dogs he runs and how he hunts and all the bear that he killed and all that stuff and i just like talking to people when they call me so i like when people call me you know but i don't mind getting a facebook message because it's nice because facebook messages i can keep up track of it and if I forget something, I can go back and look at it. Yeah. So y'all just operating off the Facebook page right now. You don't have a website set up. Uh, not yet. No, we're going to try to get one set yeah. up when we get a couple five minutes to take yeah. care of that stuff. I, I understand. Hey, I'm a small business owner myself, and it, it was rough just to uh, be able to get off today to, to, to get up here. And uh, so I, I understand when you when you leave leave your business behind to go somewhere, it's 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 rough to uh, to get caught back up when you get back for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take a week to come have some fun and coon hunting. You're sitting there the whole time. I'm out here thinking, man, when I get back, I took a week off, so I'm three weeks behind. I told them guys they go have a dog box done in, you know, next six, eight weeks. So I'm sitting there thinking, I said, well, I better enjoy this little bit of time I'm out here because when I get back, it's some 20-hour days and, you know, just welding and going at it and trying to get everybody dog boxes caught up. But, you know, it's just what you do. And, you know, hopefully the man that's, you're building a dog box for understands, you know, every man needs a break. Yeah. At least I'm not going to the beach or not, and I'm coming out here and doing something that I like because I send my wife and my kids to the beach for a week, and I stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the the key word here in this is custom dog box. So you, you have some, like, standard top bottom storage mm-hmm. dog box you built, but, you know, when you ask for a custom dog box, sometimes that takes a little longer depending on, I'm sure, depending on, what you know what they want so that's that people need to understand that it's it's custom dog box when when they want something different than just a stock type product oh yeah i mean we'll build your standard you know like i said slide in top storage bottom storage dog boxes and but you know most of the stuff we do are for bear hunters or deer hunters or you know things like that that they want to build them over the rail boxes and you know they want storage at certain spots they want this they want that and you know so sometimes those take a little bit longer than what it should because you think, well, I, won't, I can knock this thing out in three days. Well, you got an idea and a game plan going into it, and, you know, it's like a football game. By halftime, you're like, this ain't working. And, you know, next thing you know, you might have to tear a whole dog box back apart just because the idea you had how to put something together didn't exactly go as planned. So you got to take, you know, something out of it to put what you was trying to get in there in because it's a little tighter than what you thought. But, you know, it's – Sometimes people don't understand that, that, you know, just because, you know, I say, well, I can have it done by the end of the week. Well, end of the week to me is on Sunday. And then if Sunday ain't the end of the week, I'll tell them end of the week's on Monday. 
because you know sometimes you know but like you said you know it takes a little bit longer on certain styles of dog boxes but you know the more we've built the quicker we get at them and you know it's like somebody calls and they just want your standard over the rail with two doors divider and a rig i can kind of knock that up pretty quick you know they don't take very long i mean for one man building them sometime most of the time you know four days for a dog box to get built by the time i start to finish you know that's not a bad time yeah for sure um well, did we miss anything on the dog box side of it? Um, no, no, we got where two idiots met and we built a dog box company. Okay, and how long y'all been doing this now? Uh, going about four years now, I think. Three and a half, four years. And that's full-time or part-time and uh, full-time? I've been doing it full-time. I quit my job and I kept telling them I was going to quit. I'm, I'm quit. I'm quitting. Talk, I'm going to build a dog box. Like, oh, yeah, sure, Nathan, whatever. Well, last day of November, bear season started on that Monday. I told him, I said, I ain't going to be here on Monday. He said, oh, you got vacation? I said, yeah, something like that. And uh, we uh, turned around, and uh, I quit my job that day. And I got home. My wife said, well, did you give him two weeks? I said, yeah, something like that. <laughs> I just turned my weld him and then where I was welding that and walked out the door. And they called me, and they said, well, is everything okay? You going to come back? You, you know, you sick or anything? I said, yeah, something like that. I said, I'll let you know in about two weeks if I'm coming back. I said, just give me a little bit of time, make sure this is the right decision. And after about a week and a half of bear hunting, I said, you know, I said, I can work for myself. I can hunt and do things like that. I won't be that busy, but, you know, now it seems like, you know, I'm working just as many hours as I did working two jobs as I do working for myself. But that's part of being a you know, business owner like yourself, you know. Sometimes you think eight-hour days is going to be great working for yourself, but them eight-hour days turn into 10, 10 turns into 12, turns into 16 and 18s, and next thing you know, you're sleeping in a couch in the shop, and you wake up, you're still laying where you sit down and take a, a rest at a couple minutes, go look at something on your phone, you wake up, and it's daylight, and you done spent the night in the shop, and you get back up and go back to work. Yeah, and and that's it. That's, that's the life of a business owner for sure. You got you to gotta make hay while the sun's shining. That, that, that's the name of the game for sure um well do you you got a, a a funny or serious coon hunting story you can share with us before we wrap this up one, <laughs> one you can pick out i got a bunch of them but uh well it's probably probably about i want to say about three or four months ago a buddy of mine used to coon hunt back when he was in high school with me he said so you gonna go coon hunting tonight i said yeah we'll go coon hunting i said we'll go over here spot i got you know well we pull in there and park and we go coon hunting we come out there's somebody standing there with a flashlight and uh i said man i wonder who this is well it's the one that lives across the road she said well i called the law on y'all for trespassing i said well, that's fine you know that's cool she said cop be here in a minute i said well, that's probably him coming down the road right there ain't it? she said yeah and i look at my buddy He's over just shaking his head. He's like, man, he said, I ain't been with you coon hunting probably about 10 years, and we're going to get in trouble again just like we did last time. I said, hey, I said, we're fine. Don't worry about it. Cop comes up, checks my license, you know, and stuff like that, and he tells the woman, you know, he's on opposite side of this road, and, you know, you don't own it. You can't get him for trespass. Well, we're going back, pulling back out of there, and he looks over at me. He goes, it'll probably be another 10 years before I go coon hunting with you. They said, why? He said, maybe by then we won't get in no trouble. I said, you know, I said, you know, dog can't read where he goes, but I said, at least we have permission on this one. Ain't like it was a couple of years back when you went with him. We didn't have permission to be there. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. The the the, the dog don't read the no trespassing no, sign. No, they just I mean, keep, they just keep going. No, I mean, like I tell people, I said if a dog could read and he saw that no trespassing sign, he'd quit every coon track he comes to. But I said, I think he looks at that thing. He said, it means it's go twice as far across this one. Let's get on the next one, too. So we got to walk across two places we don't have permission to be at. But, you know, I mean, that's one of the benefits of being in the state of Virginia. We have the right to retrieve law. So if my dog goes off the piece of property, as long as I make the attempt to try to knock on the door, but depending on what time it is, I'm not going to come up and knock on somebody's door at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning. Because if you knock on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're going to see somebody playing answer the door is not happy and nobody wants to get answered you know see somebody open the door up standing there in a t-shirt and underwear and you know i said you know i try to make attempts like that but you know i try to hunt places that you don't get in that situation but sometimes you know you get people that move into the air and they don't know nothing about coon hunting and you know they some of them they just they don't want to be that way but it's just the way they are and but once you talk to them and you're respectful to somebody a lot of times even if you don't have permission and they, you know, you're coming across your land and something like that, they, once you get to talking to them, sometimes you can gain permission. Or, you know, especially when you got somebody's wife at, sitting there and said, well, you know, if you'd let him coon hunt, them coons wouldn't get in the trash can in the backyard and you wouldn't have to be picking up trash. And he's like, I never thought about that. You know, you might just, it might only be an acre, but that's something that you don't have to worry about dealing with in the future. But, yeah, yeah. I, and I know what you mean there because I got a spot that I've got a couple hundred acres and there's 15 acres right in the middle mm-hmm. of it that I don't have permission on and it just kind of kind of comes up into that hundred that I got permission to hunt on and uh, thankfully my dogs are tone broken and I and I do I mean you know Clay Newcomb uses the uh, phrase guard the gate and uh, I kind of say be a good neighbor mm-hmm. um, so if if a man gives me permission to hunt somewhere. Uh, you know, say he's got a hundred acres I can hunt and there's some people around it that's got, you know, five acres, 10 acres. I try to go around to those houses and, and talk to those people during the daytime and, you know, tell them what I'm doing and kind of try to fill them out, you know, to see, cause I don't really want a confrontation in the woods at midnight mm-hmm. either. You know, I, I'm out there trying to enjoy myself and maybe work on some things with my dog. And I don't want to have to be worried about as a landowner going to, you know, come in here and be mad. So I always, you know, try to try to take some time during the day on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon or uh, maybe even during the week if I'm, if I'm off where I can and if I see somebody at home stop, knock on the door, introduce myself to them and just tell them, hey, so-and-so give me permission to hunt over here and I'm, you know, I'm going to be hunting and I'll try my best to keep my dog off of you, but I just I want you to know if you see some lights out there across the field or in the woods or whatever, you know, what's going on out there. Just, just try to cut down on some of the confrontation. Oh, yeah, I mean – and that's like, you know, the worst part about living in the country now. You know, the farms that used to be there when I was younger to coon hunt, those farmers have, you know, got out of it or give it to their kids or they've died off and the kids don't want to farm. So they turn around, they sell it to somebody. Well, that person buys it and sells off, you know, five, ten acre tracks off that farm. Well, you lose that spot. And, you know, I mean, in Virginia, we can run coon all year long, but we can't run in the mountains but during the kill seasons and training seasons. So... You know, it's just, you know, you, it's getting tougher and tougher to find spots to hunt. And, you know, it depends on what part of the state of Virginia you want to go hunt in. You know, you, in my area, you know, it's kind of mountainous and farmland in the river bottoms and stuff. Most of the farmers let you hunt. 
because they don't want the coons in there, you know, eating their corn, tearing up their stuff. And you go across the mountain over in eastern Virginia, you know, you get you can go over and get on them deer clubs and join them and run, you know, five, 6,000 acres. But there are a lot of cutovers and, you know, just rough hunting. You got little creek banks and, and a lot of that over there, sometimes you run into somebody that moved in from the city that retired and they don't want to hear a dog bark and they've had bad experiences with some other group of guys and you know i said like i told somebody one time i said there's bad apples in every batch that you know they go in there and they ruin it for somebody and next thing you know places you used to be able to go say if you was running bear dogs and they went on somebody's property that owns on the mountain you used to be able to ride up there and just knock on the door and be like can i go and they're like, yeah take a truck back here and get your bear dog well somebody come in there and didn't knock on the door took seven or eight loads of people in there turn around tore something up and come back out now you can't even go in there they tell you, you know don't even bring don't even ask but i mean at the end of the day you just got to be able to you know be polite and try to if a situation starts to get a little tense you know crack a joke you know just try to make them relaxed and you know try to be a good samaritan and you know try to represent you know people that hound hunt and a little bit better eye form than what they've dealt with before yeah and we used to, uh, the, the job I worked for all my own business, you know, we would have to do some cleanup. And we, we, we would always say, let's leave it better than what it was when we got here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the motto I even take in today with, with my business and with, you know, hound hunting. I mean, I've got a couple hundred acres I, that I actually got permission on. I think I told this on, on the interview I done with Mr. A.L. McSwain. But um, I got permission to hunt there because the guy's cows got out. Mm-hmm. And I lived down that, down that way, and I just stopped and said, hey, man, do you need a hand? And it was hot. He was give out. And he's like, yeah, if you don't mind, would you help me get these cows put in? And so we, I helped him get the cows put in, and uh, we, we helped him get his fence fixed where they wouldn't get out. And um, he seen the dog box in the back of my truck and started asking me about it. I told him, and he went in his truck and got him a, got a key and brought it to me. He said, here you go. And I said, what's this? And he said, this is the key to the gate. You can come anywhere you want to. Mm-hmm. And that's just by being a neighbor. And that's that's something that's important that we don't just need to be pulling up, dumping dogs somewhere that we don't need to be. And, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I try to take the time. We can't always do it, but I always try to take the time to talk to most everybody around mm-hmm. there and let, let them know what I'm doing because – like I said, I, I don't want to have that confrontation in the woods in the middle of the night. And mo- a lot of times, not a lot of times, some of the times I got my kids with me and I don't, you know, I, I don't really want somebody walking in there with a gun, you know, with, with my kids, you know, in there with me either. So I try to eliminate all of that that I can. You can't eliminate it all. There's always going to be that one or two here or there. But, you know, we need to make sure we're doing our parts as hound hunters, whether it's coon hunting, deer hunting, bear hunting, hog hunting, it don't matter. Oh, yeah, I mean. That's what I've always told any person I get permission from that has a farm. Call me anytime you need me. If you melon hay and you can't get no high school kids to come, been a while, but I can still throw a square bell. And I don't look forward to it, but I can still throw them. Can't throw them with the best of them anymore, but I can still get it done. And, you know, if they need help building a fence or, you know, if they're going out of town, they want somebody just to check over the house, ride by the house, make sure ain't nothing going on. It might be 30 miles out of my way. But if that's what you call and ask me to do, I will ride by there, just make it apparent. you be like, well, I might go over and go hunt tonight while you're gone. You know, I'll check on whatever. You know, if you need me to water your yard or flowers or something like that, if you ain't got nobody to do it. I mean, I don't like watering flowers, but if that's what you ask me to do, I'll come over and do it because you give me the permission and stuff. So, I mean, it's just what you got to do. You got to, you know, treat it, you know, like you said, you know, try to leave it better than what you, le- what you find it 
just like I told my little girls when I was coaching them, you know, minor league softball this year, uh, you know, try to leave a dug up better when you found it. You know, if you see a piece of bubble gum, pick it up, throw it in the trash can. You know, and that's when you called me about asking me about doing that sponsorship. When, well, Brett called and asked me, he said, hey, you know, would you be interested in sponsoring this uh, podcast? I said, well, yeah, sure, tell him, call me. He said, what are you doing anyways? I said, I got my daughter up here. To, she's taking softball pitching lessons. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a puppy trainer. You let them go in there and let somebody else deal with a headache and make them good. And when they're done with it, you just sit there and take all the credit for it. Say, man, look, look, you turned out pretty good, didn't it? You know, Brett got a giggle out of that. He said, you know, I said, oh, you think of it like that. I said, kind of way I look at it. Yeah, yeah, that's good for sure. Well, we uh, we stole a corner of the barn here at English Day, so I'm sure that y'all have heard some background noise in the in the back, and I'll do my very best to take some of it out. But uh, that's that's just part of it. That's where where we could get set up here on top of old doll box and uh, get this done. Is uh, is there anybody you'd like to thank or shout out before we get off here? We've been at it right at an hour. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you know, I like to thank my wife for putting up with me. And, you know, there's a there's a list of people, you know, that's helped me throughout the time with, you know, dogs and things like that. And, you know, like I said, uh, Scott Morton, uh, he helped me, you know, when I, I didn't even have a dog to hunt. You know, he called me. He's like, hunt this dog, you know. And, uh, you know, Tommy Corbick, uh, the line of dogs that I run. When I first started, that line of dogs, Tommy had the, the male dog that I bred them, you know, got a that's where it started at for me and uh you know just the old pile of people but you know it's more than i can list and you know you just want to thank them all for putting up with you and dealing with you and you know as i was talking to when i before we started i was talking to my daughter she's like when are you coming home i said well i need ranger win a cast night dad'll be home on sunday she goes what if he gets second place i said we don't want second in the cast we want second in the hunt you know but i said daddy really like to come home on sunday he don't want to leave out of here tonight so, I mean, you know, things like that, you know, she was wanting to come with me because she likes to go hunting with me. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, if you go out there with me, said, it ain't like going hunting with daddy. You know, daddy, if, if you hunt with me and you're getting tired, I'll take you home. I hear you're stuck in the woods for two hours with a bunch of grown men that don't want to say, well, call time out. You can take her back. No, no, we're here for two hours. You'll have to rough it up. But, you know, she misses me and stuff like that. And I think the other two, uh, my oldest kids, 14 and 16, they did some yard work the other day, and I got text messages. Well, what can, what can we, what can we get for doing all this yard work? I said, well, I give you a place to live and something to eat. <laughs> Can't pay your cell phone bill for the month. I mean, but you know, I mean, they just, you know, I like to thank my family mainly, my wife, and my kids, and they're feeding my dogs at the house right now. My wife called me, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. It wasn't one of them good phone call conversations, but you know, dogs this and dogs that and got two dogs that got out somehow and they running around the neighborhood and i'm like well hey they'll come home catch them yeah well and it takes it takes a good family behind you to to be able to go out and compete and do, do these things for sure and uh brett denny talked about that on our podcast that we've done and uh it, it's that's definitely important but We've been at it just over an hour, so we're gonna we're gonna draw our to a close here. And I want to thank you for listening to the Coonhound Collective podcast. I want to also thank Brett Stevens for hooking me and you up together. He was a mutual friend of ours, and yeah. he kind of put us together. So I want to give him a shout out and and tell him tell him thank you for that. And uh, 
I want to say thank you to you for sponsoring the podcast. We really do appreciate it. We hope to build a long relationship with you, and hopefully we can help you sell some doll boxes. Yeah, uh, hopefully. Uh, that's the name of the game. And, you know, I've, one more thing I'd like to add. Uh, I was talking to Chuck Henson. Yeah. He's been on here. I told Chuck and Brett, I said, I get to be famous like y'all boys now. He said, Chuck goes, well, me and Brett's talk, we might let you in the club. <laughs> yeah, I actually talked to uh, Chuck yesterday. He's boy, he's a super guy, super guy. Oh, yeah. Both of those guys are, are really, really good guys. They, they're uh, they're literally like finding finding a lost family member somewhere because oh. they they are they are really good guys. Both of them. So yeah. Oh, Chuck, he called me. Uh, one more thing I like to add about that funny story thing, real quick. Uh, Chuck called me. He said, "Man, he said, I saw one of your dog boxes." I said, "You did?" He said, "I was on an undercover mission." I said. Well, I said, hang on a little bit, and you probably get that thing at that auction down there pretty cheap when it goes back through the sale. He said, nah, I was up in Kentucky, and I saw that one you built for Preston. He's up there, him and Brett was up there turkey hunting. He said, I'm going to get you to build me a dog box. I said, all right, well, send me some money, and I'll get you a dog box. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. He told me, so I was on an undercover mission. I said, I wonder who I sold that dog box to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today to sit down with me here and talk about it. I appreciate the dog box. We'll we'll get some video put up on the YouTube channel so people can see what they look like, and uh, we'll get out of here so you can get ready to hit the woods tonight, and I'm going to hit it back west to Missouri here in a few minutes. So thank you again for joining me, and thank you for joining us this week on the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Hey guys, Jason at the Coonhound Collective Podcast. Today I'm here to talk to you about a benefit hunt that's coming up. The State of Missouri Coon Hunters Association is holding the annual Shriners Children's Hospital Benefit Hunt on September the 24th, 2022. This is a UKC sanctioned event. There will be a bench show and a night hunt. There will also be a auction on the grounds at one o'clock. For more information on that, you can go to the Shriners Children's Hospital Benefit Stud Dog Auction and more on Facebook and check it out you can scroll down through there the winner of the bench show is going to get a cz custom dog box the winner of the night hunt is going to get the same custom dog box there's a dog box up for auction right now over there and a ton of stud dogs really nice dogs be a good opportunity to reserve a breeding uh, for one of these dogs get it put get your name in there stay on top of it Make sure you win it so you can uh, get a good breeding for that good female that you got out there. Uh, and there's a ton more other prizes. There's puppies being given away, uh, some young young dogs that are being auctioned. Uh, a, a lot of good things. Coon hunters are coming together for a great cause here. Help us make this hunt a large hunt here in Missouri. Help us raise some money to, to give to the Shriners Hospital. Uh, the, these guys are excited. They're they're on they're really on fire here to try to make this hunt big. They're making a push here to make it. So help these guys out to uh, really make this hunt a a big hunt. You can reach out to Larry Bourbon if you don't have Facebook. And his phone number is 636-388-5420-633-388-5420. Five four two zero, or you can also reach out to Colton Ingram and his phone number six three six two four nine three 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 zero six three six two four nine three 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 zero. If you have something that you can auction off, get with these guys. They'll get it posted up on the page and get the auction running. Anything and everything it doesn't have to be coon hunter. 
raccoon hunted related get it to them let's help these guys raise money for a great cause here coon hunters always come together to help other people this is a great cause to help people let's help the state of missouri coon Hunter association send a big check to the shriners hospital thanks Thanks, guys, for listening to the Coonhound Collective Podcast today. We really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to the podcast. If you don't mind, head over to Facebook and give us a like, and head over to Instagram and give us a follow. It's both at The Coonhound Collective. Also, if you would like to reach us here at The Coonhound Collective, you can reach us at thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. If there's someone that you would like to hear on the podcast or a product that you would like to hear talked about, please send it to thecoonhoundcollective at gmail.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.